Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence. Join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as Christine Lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the Money is Emotional podcast. I am your host, Christine Lucan. Today, we have a special episode for entrepreneurs. We're going to reveal six ways to increase your income in your business this month. And I cannot think of a better person to have this conversation with than my co-host, Bill. So, Bill, you've spent quite a few years covering business and finance in your career, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've spent quite a few decades covering business and financial <laughs> So it's great to be with you. And I like this topic. Yes, me too. I mostly am coaching people on their personal finances. Right. However, a lot of my clients are business owners. And my background is business accounting. So some people don't know that I worked 15 years full time mm. in business accounting before I became a financial coach. So I love talking to business owners about accounting in their business. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You have an unusual preferred set of conversations, but you know, I know it's important though. And I, and it's like, and you know, you often hear the, 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 you know, the phrase entrepreneurs don't make really good people to run a business. They're good for starting business, but not running a business. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say today. Yeah. Well, we're not focused on the day-to-day money management today. We are focused on increasing income, increasing that top line. Mm-hmm. Because I know for a lot of people, that's a big pain point. You know, it's it's hard to manage money well in your business if you don't have a lot coming in. Yeah. So it's a constant struggle. So my first tip is upselling and downselling. And what I mean by this is, do you have multiple offers in your business at different price points, at different levels of service with you? So think of it like a McDonald's, like McDonald's offers small, medium and large French fries. Mm-hmm. Right. They've got something for everyone, whether you want to order off the dollar menu or you want to get the super size. Yeah. Sometimes when someone comes to you, they want the solution that you have. It's just that your solution is the wrong size for them. Mm. So if you're only selling one quote unquote size, and I'm not just talking about people who are selling clothing or french fries or physical products it's also for people who are selling services and intellectual products so this was how i got this lightning bolt moment that i had a 15 dollar book and a several thousand dollar coaching package and I had nothing in the middle. 
<laughs> so I didn't I didn't have something for people who wanted more than a book, more tools right. than a book, but they didn't necessarily want or need full-blown one-on-one coaching. And that was when I created my very first course for personal finance, which is Financial Dignity on Demand. And it was just like, why didn't I think of this? It was just kind of one of those like slap your slap yourself in the head, like yeah. duh. <laughs> and so that's that's one thing that when I'm coaching entrepreneurs, we talk about that, especially if they say, I'm not having a great income month this month or this quarter. And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about what you're doing. Like, is there a way to give somebody a smaller piece or a bigger piece? Because mm. sometimes a customer might not be a no, they might need a different size. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. But as you well know from your background in, in corporate accounting, these simple solutions don't always appear as obvious as they may be. <laughs> yes. Well, and it certainly does help to have a fresh set of eyes on your business. And I find that I get a lot of great ideas talking to other business owners who are in completely different fields from yeah. me. And actually, that's where that idea came from. I was talking to another business owner, and we were just chatting about she made these all-natural body care products. And mm -hmm. she started talking about the different sizes that she ordered. No, she oh. said she had somebody come to her saying that like they needed a travel size and then somebody else wanted instead of buying four bottles was there the opportunity to buy a liter of her favorite you know body lotion or whatever and then I started thinking about that and I was like oh small medium large and then I'm like okay I got my small I got my large and I'm like oh crap I have no medium in my business have nothing in between <laughs> so I had that realization that was probably back in that was back in 2019 and then it's like oh okay now I have a whole suite of medium products <laughs> so Beautiful. we we we've got all, all the smalls all the mediums all the larges the other tip I have is repackaging your offerings so sometimes we need to reformat or repackage our products and services to make them seem new and fresh. So if something's not selling, it might just need a little tweaking to start attracting buyers. So it might not be that it's bad in and of itself. Mm -hmm. It just might be the way that it's presented. So you might want to add some features to it or remove some things from it. Sometimes like changing the name or adjusting the price might all of a sudden be that thing where people are like, oh, yes, I want this. Or freshening up the graphics. You know, we had a wonderful episode. Um, it was number 22, The Color of Money, where we chatted with Michelle Lewis about color psychology and how mm -hmm. we can actually improve our bottom line in our businesses by using color. So if you have a graphic that's black and white, it's not eliciting an, an emotional response from people. So you might just change that from black and white to purple and white or orange mm -hmm. and white, then all of a sudden it's causing an emotional reaction 
in people and drawing them in. So it could be something very simple, but what I have found, and I've been guilty of this in the past, when you launch something into the market and it doesn't take off right away and you don't sell a lot right away, you think it's crap, (laughs) right? Or you think that people think it's crap Uh and you want to just like scrap the whole entire thing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. We've all been there, as a matter of fact. I'm curious when you're talking about repackaging, because it makes a lot of sense. Have you found that it's that it like is helpful to get an outside perspective or go to somebody who does this for a living who can say, yeah, these colors do this and that kind of thing? Go to an outside expert? Yeah, I think it does help to get a third party perspective on things. You know, sometimes you can ask a former client or customer and say, Hey, I'm, I know you've bought from me before. I want your honest opinion about this. I'm not trying to sell this to you. I really just want to know, does this have appeal to people like you? If not, is there something that could be Mm -hmm. added or changed or removed that would make it more attractive? And certainly I highly recommend that you go back and listen to episode 22 and connect with Michelle because she does these one-on-one consultations where you get a good idea of what are the emotions that I want to elicit from my clients so that they're attracted to me because it's different. You know, there's a different vibe coming from a financial coach than coming from a restaurant like McDonald's, right? Right. So different colors elicit different types of emotional responses. That's the reason why I wear a lot of blue, because blue is very calming, trusting, tranquility, and people want to feel that about their money. So that's why I wear a lot of blue, and that's why it's in my branding. So sometimes it really is just a matter of tweaking some of those things, then all of a sudden it becomes attractive to people again. So and now and, I know why I feel so calm when we have conversations. <laughs> it's my soothing personality. Exactly. <laughs> Thinking is soothing the emotional uh, aspect of money. Yes. Well, and it's super easy to do with digital products. It, it can be a little bit more challenging with physical products, but sometimes not. I mean, maybe it's just a matter of bundling things, physical products together. Yeah. And having you're grouping, like, let's go back to the body care products, right? So you've got these little tiny travel sizes. Well, let's group them all together and make it a travel size, natural body care kit, et cetera. All of a sudden it's a new product, right? Even though it's not a new product. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's my point. It's not always about creating something new. And that was a lesson that I had to learn in my business because I am someone that can generate a lot of ideas and products like those things come to me very easily. And so sometimes I can create things and then when they don't work right away, I don't nurture them and I just abandon them. And so I have learned that that's a tendency in me. And I think in a lot of entrepreneurs that can be a tendency because entrepreneurs are very creative and innovative. Yes. Yes. Having known a number of them, Yes, they have a tolerance for risk, but they also have a brain that races it and speeds and directions I sometimes can't grasp. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So tip number three, 
raise your prices. Mm. When was the last time you raised your prices? Everyone else is raising prices, right? You go to the grocery store, prices have gone up. Oh, yeah. And it's very interesting because sometimes entrepreneurs will say, well, I can't raise my prices because everything else is more expensive and people aren't going to have money to pay for my thing. Yeah. Every time I raise my prices, more people buy. Mm. It's it's never been the opposite. It's never wow. been where I raise prices and it's crickets. I always tell people if it's been at least a year since you've raised your prices, you at least need to look at things, at least review and see if you need to raise yeah. your prices. Because if you're like me and you are in this process of constant improvement, working on yourself, learning new skills, improving your business, right? you're bringing more value to your products and your services and your interactions with your customers. You should be charging more. And especially if you have had customers, coaches, mm -hmm. friends or family members tell you that you are undercharging, believe them. That happened to me back in 2017 or 2018. Within like, I want to say a three-month period, I had three clients and a coach tell me that I was undercharging. Wow. <laughs> they said, you are like, the results that we're getting are so amazing. You should be charging more for this. And I was finally like, why am I not? Uh -huh. and, and there was that fear, like, I'm going to raise my prices. Nobody's going to buy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I doubled my prices. And then I doubled my customers. Wow. <laughs> that is so counterintuitive. But I grasp, uh, I understand what you're saying. Because I think, you know, a lot of times when business owners look at stuff, they look at the cost of things and think, well, the cost of things have gone up. And one of the things they don't factor into the equation is, I've been doing this. X number of years. I have a lot of expertise. And I, you know, they don't value that experience and that expertise. It's hard. It's, sometimes it's just hard for people to realize I should. And your lesson is a lesson of why they should. Exactly. Well, and here's the thing too. I think when you're really good at something and you can do it very easily and very quickly. Yeah you have a tendency to undervalue that because you think that everyone can do that. And that's not, that's not true. <laughs> and uh, th there's an old story and I, I can't remember who originally told it, but you know, there was this, this factory and this very important machine broke down and they found the guy who could fix it. And he comes in and he says, I can fix your machine and it'll be $10,000. And this machine was making this company millions and millions of dollars per year. So they approved it and they said, all right, here's your $10,000, fix the machine. He walks over, he takes out his wrench or his screwdriver. He adjusts one screw yeah and then it's fixed and they're like 
how could you charge us $10,000? Like you didn't even spend five minutes fixing this. And he said, I didn't charge you for the five minutes. I charged you for the fact that I knew exactly, exactly. what was wrong with it and how to fix it in under five minutes. Great you're, story. You're Great welcome. story. <laughs> <laughs> and that completely shifted my perspective, for sure. And, you know, the other objection that I get from people is, well, what about my current customers? I'm afraid if I raise my prices that the current people that I have will exit, especially if they're not locked into a particular contract or they have yeah. contracts that are renewing, et cetera, um, or if they're just paying something by the hour. Right. So I will typically say, all right, put your customers on notice, You know, give them 30 days or 60 days and let them know the price is going to be going up on this date. And you can even offer specials and incentives for them to prepay for products or services mm. before the prices go up. So for example, if I have someone that's graduating out of their six month coaching, and I know I'm gonna raise prices across the board, yeah. I can let them know, hey, you expressed interest in continuing working with me in my maintenance package. Well, my maintenance package is going up in 30 days, but if you buy it you know, before the 31st, you'll get it at the current price. And it's their choice yeah. whether they want to do that or not. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And I would imagine you have a fair number of clients who go, okay. Yeah. Well, and most of my clients are business owners. And it's so interesting because <clears throat> they very readily accept increases from vendors. Yeah. Well, they understand. Right. But then it's like they don't want to raise their own prices. <laughs> <laughs> but I know this can sometimes feel scary. However, I swear every single time I raise my prices, I get more and better clients every time I do it. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. All right. So tip number four is to sell to your current and past customers. Your customers already know and love you. And they love your products and services, right? Otherwise, you probably would have heard from them. Yeah, so, exactly. They probably would have said, I don't like this. <laughs> current and past customers are more likely to buy from you than new prospects because they already know you, like you, and trust you. Yeah. And that's something that we always talk about in the sales cycle, it's rare for people to just immediately buy from you the first time they see you. In fact, it's about 2%. 2% of your clients will come from just having a first exposure to you. Wow. And so if you've got something new that's coming out, your current and past clients are the first people you should be touching base with. And you should be checking in with your past and current clients on a regular basis, especially if you've got something new that's coming out. Also, when you tell them about what new things you've got going on, you can say, who do you know that needs this right now? Yeah. Rather than saying, do you need this right now? You can say, 
who do you know that needs this right now? And they might say me, (laughs) (laughs) or they might give you a referral, right? Which is actually better than a cold customer, a cold potential customer coming in. A referral would be great because it's me saying, listen, you might ask and check in with Christine because I really like her. I work with her. That's much better than you than just a cold call from Christine going, hi. Exactly. Or even just somebody stumbling upon your website and thinking like, oh, yeah, maybe I need this. Yeah. When I have a financial planner or a CPA refer one of their clients to me for coaching, my closing rate is twice as high as someone who just found me on social media or they just found my website because they were searching for a financial coach. That trust factor gets transferred yeah. with that referral, which is awesome. Um, so you, you'd be surprised. Now, I found some amazing stats about this this week. This is just going to, this is going to blow your mind. The success rate of selling to a customer you already have is 60 to 70%. Wow. 60 to 70%. Wow. Well, it makes sense based on what you just said, <laughs> but that's still mind blowing. Yeah. It is mind blowing. The success rate of selling to a new customer is between five and 20%. That, that tracks. That yeah. tracks. Now, the, these next facts are, are even crazier. Loyal customers are five times as likely to repurchase, five times as likely to forgive you if you mess something up. Yeah. Four times as likely to refer new business to you, and seven times as likely to try a new offering. Wow. Let's hear it for customer loyalty. Whoa, that is fantastic. Hey, you got to treat those people right. <laughs> so, listeners, seriously, what the hell are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah. Press pause, reach out to your current and past clients right now today. Yeah. So tip number five is make it easy for customers to buy from you. If they go to your website, is it clear what the next step is to hire you Mm. or to purchase your product? Do you accept all forms of payment, credit cards, Apple Pay, all that good stuff? Being clear in your communications, whether it's your, your emails, your social media posts, your website, Make it clear the next action you want people to take to start working with you or to start purchasing from you. There are times when I have been interested in someone and I have gone to their website and I am completely confused about how to work with them. Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. Just throwing in a personal opinion here, I I go off of websites that make it hard for me to purchase their service or their product. If it's an obtuse, weird, difficult thing to do, I have zero patience. Yes. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And uh, 
you know, I had a conversation with a good friend and this has probably been like two or three years ago. And, you know, he said, well, do you take credit cards for your large coaching packages? And I said, absolutely. And he said, well, those credit card companies, they take like 3%. And I said, yeah, so? <laughs> I said, I factor that into the cost when I price my package. And I said, you're losing business if you are waiting on people to send you a check yes. to hire you for this type of consulting services. Absolutely. And he came back six months later and he's like, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my close ratio has been so much better. And I was like, you're welcome. I will let you take me out to lunch for that one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so simplify your purchasing process and also make sure that you are being clear People think that they are being pushy sometimes, mm. and it's not being pushy, right? To say at the end of a social media post, buy my book here with the link. Yeah. That's <laughs> you know, not don't, pushy. Pushy, right. pushy is annoying. Pushy is aggravating. Pushy is not. Buy my book. Here's the link. Exactly. Now- Here's something we're going to talk about, and some people can do this in a pushy manner. So we're going to dive into this one a little bit. All right. Tip number six is follow up. You're leaving money on the table if you don't follow up with people who have expressed an interest in your products and services. And I'm not just talking about once. I'm talking about a system for following up with people. Now. This is not hopping into their DMs at all hours of the day. Yeah. Being annoying. That is not what I'm talking about here. But before I talk about that, I do want to share some statistics about follow-up because people give up way too soon. Okay. 80% of sales are made between the 5th and the 12th contact with someone. Hmm. The 5th and the 12th. Yeah. Wow, Yet, that's interesting. <laughs> only 3% of people contact someone who said they were interested more than three times. So I thought this was, I, I've got this graphic in front of me. We'll have to put it so, in, so in with the show 80 notes. 80% percent of the sales are made on the 5th the to 12th contact with yes. a prospect. Only 2% are made during the first. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how, how dogged are most people? I mean, uh, that, that stat alone would tell me I need, mm -hmm. to, I need to, you know, come around a little more often. But Yeah. So 48% of people never follow up. Never. Ooh. So they basically. No and that's it? They just get a no and that's it? Well, not even necessarily. It's like a, a not right now. So, for example, if, oh. if you, you know, let's just say you and your wife wanted financial coaching. We jumped on right. a call together. I told you everything that was involved. I said, I think I can help you. I think we'd have fun working together. And you said, this sounds good. Let me think about it. Right. Okay. I'm not talking about the people who say no. Right. Okay. <laughs> then okay. you just say, 
all right, thank you. Have a nice day. But, you know, if there's interest expressed, the first thing I do after I get off the phone is I send you an email and I say, it was great connecting with you. I look forward to leading you on your journey to financial dignity and handling your concerns about X, Y, and Z. Here's the link to sign up. If I don't hear from you for three days, I will send a reminder and just say, hey, just checking on this and see if you wanted to move forward this month. That's it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be complicated, mm. right? Um no, and that hey. feels more like a reminder, too. I've got to tell you, that doesn't feel like a push, 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 nudge, nudge, Exactly. Nudge. And that's what follow-up is. Follow-up is just staying top of mind. It's not just saying, do you want to buy yet? Do you want to buy yet? Would you like to buy yet? How about now? How about now? How about, How about now? now? How about now? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because the, then you are definitely going to get a no, right? But, you know, maybe I send the the second email and you say, Oh, so sorry. We've been busy. We'll get back to you soon. Well, maybe I run across an article on money.com that talks about something that mm -hmm. we had talked about in the discovery call. I might send that to you huh? on LinkedIn because that's sure. where you found me and say like, hey, I know we were talking about XYZ on our call yesterday. I thought you'd find this article interesting. Right? Nice. Yeah. Two weeks later, it's your birthday. I wish you happy birthday on Facebook, right? So it's like I am popping up now. I may come back to that email and say, hey, Bill, I've only got one coaching spot left open in the next 30 days. And then, you know, if you guys want to start by the end of X, let's go ahead and get the ball rolling. Otherwise, we might not be able to start for another 60 days. Gotcha. Right. So it's not being mean. It's not being pushy. It's not it's not that used car salesman that, you know, yeah. chases you out of the parking lot <laughs> while you're trying to roll up your window <laughs> <laughs> or hangs onto your credit cards and won't let you leave. <laughs> yes. But here's what I found interesting. Only 10 percent of people make more than three contacts to an interested buyer. And yet. 80% of sales are made on the fifth to the 12th contact. Yeah. That's a, that, that, that is, <laughs> that's an illuminating number. That's illuminating actually. Yes. Great. Yeah. So I tell people, you know what, set up calendar reminders to touch base with people. The key to effective follow-up, it is varying your approach. Don't just send the exact same thing. And Pay attention to how your potential clients like to communicate. So if someone initially contacted you about your services and they left you a voice note through Messenger on Facebook, yeah. that means they like Messenger on Facebook. And I don't care if you don't like it. The best way for you to connect with them is to send them back a voice note. <laughs> yeah. On Facebook Messenger, if that's the way they like to communicate. So pay attention and you can kind of vary those things because there have been potential clients that I have realized, even though my my system of follow-up after we have a discovery call is an email, yeah. if I don't hear from them in three or four days, I think about, 
well, how did they contact me initially? I better send that information however they contacted me, whether it was yeah. through LinkedIn, whether they sent me a text because, you know, we used to be in a networking group together years ago, et cetera. So be paying attention to how your clients like to be communicated with and even just commenting, leaving a valuable comment on one of their social media posts. That counts. It counts. <laughs> Easy. Yes. So it's it's not too hard. So the fortune is in the follow-up. So stay in touch and don't quit. Think about follow-up more as relationship nurturing than yeah. closing sales. Yeah, you know, I I I I hit a really, really successful salesperson. He and I were just talking one time. And I've never been good at sales. And I, you know, I was I was telling him, I don't understand how you do what you do. And he goes, look, the secret in sales, and it fits with what you're talking about, is relationships. He said, I have a relationship with all of my clients. They're different kinds of relationships. And he did. He, some of the things you just talked about, he said, you know, if I contact them and they want something, I'm willing to repackage what we have in order to make it more attractive to them to buy. And I stay in touch with them, not in a, God, that guy's annoying kind of way, but as in a, you know, like, hey, Christine, hadn't spoken with you in a while. How are things going? Do you have what you need? Do you, you know, and it, yeah, like to your point, exactly. Mm -hmm. I used to suck at sales myself. Yeah. I used to tease my brother, who's the vice president of sales and marketing for the family business, which is machine tools, KRC machine tool services. And I mean, I, I used to give him a hard time. I actually, I don't know if you remember way back in the, I, I feel like these were super popular in the early 2000s. Do you remember those successories posters that offices had where it would say like loyalty and then it would yes. have like a picture of yeah. a lion and it would have some quote about loyalty. Right. So I made my brother a successories poster and I printed it on <laughs> the engineering plotter so I could like get it in poster size and you'll probably remember this, uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. Of course. Herb, Herb Tarlek. <laughs> it was like the, you know, when you think of used car salesman, it's like, that's the guy. That's right? the guy. <laughs> so I printed this picture of him on there and the poster said, it's not lying, it's sales. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was my perception of sales. And so... A couple years into my business, I was struggling, and it was around this same time where people were telling me I was undercharging. And yeah. I thought, damn it, I have got to learn to love sales. And so for me, I can't remember if it was like 2017, 2018, like I decreed that the year of sales, that mm. that was the year I was going to learn to love sales. And so I was like binge listening to Grant Cardone and all these different sales gurus and the switch was finally flipped when i think it was grant cardone said something along the lines of selling at when you're doing it right is serving and yes. that's really all about relationship building you yeah. are 
getting to know your customers, getting to know your clients, and serving them as best you can. And a lot of times we think, I'm going to sell to you what I think you want or what I think I would want, (laughs) rather than really understanding what is it that they want. And I'll leave you with this one final story. I had a session with a business strategy coach, and she and her husband were previous financial coaching clients of mine. And so when we were we were talking about some of these sales strategy things. She said, you know what, as a client, you know what I wish you had? And I said, what? She said, you know, I appreciate the fact that you don't want me to work with you forever. That you don't want to be my money mom. Yeah. You know, you, you want to get me to a place of independence where I'm in charge of my own business and personal finances. But she said, I feel like after the six months, it was kind of abrupt. And I would have liked some sort of maintenance package. And that's really where my one-year maintenance package was born. And it was because I was listening to one of my past customers tell me what they wanted. And here's the crazy thing. Since I implemented this, probably 60 to 70% of my coaching clients who work with me for six months buy the one-year maintenance package. Mm. So it does pay. Mm. There's a little bonus tip. It does pay to listen to your customers and find out what do they want, not what do you want to sell them. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So there you have it. Six simple ways to increase your business income that you can start doing right now. So I would love to hear from you if you've listened to this episode, uh, which ones you're implementing and what results you're getting from it. Reach out on social media, uh, drop me a message at hello at christinelucan.com. And we've actually got a downloadable printable resource for you today that summarizes all of these. It's actually seven ways to increase your business income this month. Yes, there is a seventh bonus tip that we did not discuss during today's podcast. So we will have the link right there in the show notes so you can grab that. And if you want to master all areas of your business finances, hop over to Amazon, grab a copy of my book, Manage Money Like a Boss. That is going to help you get your money shit together in your business. Excellent. Another thing that can help people get their act together, they can hit subscribe. If they are not subscribers to this podcast already, just reach out there and hit the subscribe button, and that way they don't miss another podcast. That's a simple bonus tip here for you boys and girls. And in keeping with what Christine is talking about, if you like what you heard here, we'd ask that you rate it and share it with people. Referrals are always so nice. (laughs) That would be a great thing to do. And we thank you for it. In the meantime, on behalf of Christine, I'm producer Bill, wishing you and reminding you to go out and make it a great day. Or not. It's your choice. (laughs) Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelucan.com or drop us a line 
at hello at christinelucan.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Lucan. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.